And hello, everybody. Welcome to WD Carousel of Podcast. My name's Crystal. And I'm Ian. And today we are going to do our little homage to Black History Month. Yes. And to do that, we had to do some digging. And I'm going to admit it was a lot harder than I expected it to be to be able to make a good connection uh, for the Disney company to black history and how it's contributed. And first off, I'm, I'm kind of a little disappointed in that. Yeah, it's, I know we were kind of like, you know, we should definitely do something because we have our conversations, you know, like, what are we going to talk about? Planning out what we want to yeah. do. And it's like, we should do something for Black History Month. Like, That's a great idea. And then we both were kind of like, so, yeah. Um. <laughs> it has a lot more negative connotations yeah. than you would think. Or yeah. or maybe you do. I don't know. It's, but, but there was one name that really stood out to us and... It was um, Floyd Norman, and I was honestly shocked as well that there was not a lot of information on Mm -mm. the internet about him either. Mm -mm. Now, Floyd Norman is the first black animator for the Walt Disney Company, period, end of sentence, Mm -hmm. and he is still working for Disney to this day at what did they say? As far as we know, 83. 83 years old? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that is a long history with the Disney company. And to not have a lot of people talking about it, speaking to it, um, acknowledging it, or even just having articles on the internet is... Right. Shocking. Yeah, the lack of unexpected. the complete and total lack of information on him. I know you were able to find, like, a Wikipedia page that I was found a very wiki. sparse. I found a wiki. I yeah. found... Uh, IMDb page. Yep. I found uh, NPR article from a few years back, and then there is a Black History website that did mention him too, okay. and gave a little bit of a story. But that was about, about it. it. Yeah. Um. Though we did find that there is a documentary. Yeah. Which is. Amazing. Available on Netflix. Yes, and I highly recommend watching it. It's also available on iTunes, I saw, and available for purchase mm-hmm. um, through the website specifically for it. You just go to Floyd Norman, I think, dot com, and you can purchase it for Blu-ray or be able to download it. And like you said, it's available on Netflix. That's where we watched it. And it gave a lot more rounded of a story about this gentleman yeah and it made me even more excited to be able to introduce him to yeah, you guys talk a little bit about him because we didn't know a lot about him until very recently and he's a disney legend he is he was inducted into the disney legends in 2007 mm-hmm. so he's a huge uh, contributor to disney history mm-hmm. he worked there when the nine old men worked there and he worked with Disney Mm -hmm. and he was one of the vital creators. And he even went so far as, well, I don't want to spoil it, but just huge in the creation of animation and how it has evolved over the years. Yeah. Uh, He was also unique in the fact that he was, he was part of the Disney company fairly early. And, and as we'd mentioned the first, um, um, African-American hire. Yes. Which was really interesting. And he also was the first 
Um, he also is interesting in the fact that he didn't, like, he wasn't the company man. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these guys were the company men, the nine old men, company men, they stuck to Disney until they died kind of thing. He was a guy who was always kind of pushing and looking and doing He was just in stuff. it for the art. Yeah, he was in it for the art. And, and not to say that the other guys were no, not. No, not at but, all. But he, he really had this incredible desire and push to do the next thing or find the next mm-hmm. thing, which which made made them not always part of the Disney Corporation, which was very interesting. So let's go back to a little bit of the timeline here. Mm-hmm. So he was born in 1935, and they had mentioned, and I noticed this a couple different places, that where he really was inspired and decided that this is what he wanted to do for a living was once he actually watched the movie Dumbo. And that's what got him really gung-ho about animation and cartooning and um, artistry and all of that. And I think that that's really neat how he's just like you and I would be, being inspired by Disney and then being able to you know, make Disney part of his life. Now, you and I don't work for the Disney company. He's one of the lucky ones that did, but, or, and is still, but, you know, to be able to find that inspiration and get that from the get-go and then be able to follow that life plan is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And then he was hired officially at Disney in 1956. um, And it wasn't, he, he, Everywhere that I looked, it said that it wasn't a big deal to him. He wasn't even aware that it was a a big deal when he was hired. He didn't think about it being race. He just applied and got the job. I think the words that he used were something to the effect of, I was just an animator looking for a job, was kind of what it it came down to. And and kind of a little bit about, he kind of in the documentary that he goes through a little bit of his, his childhood. And... He's kind of like he starts the starts the interview by like it was hard. I lived impoverished, and he's like honestly <laughs> not really. Like he's like I had a pretty pretty uneventful upbringing, and so happy. He, he's happy. happy. Yeah, he happy. Said happy. And he so he grew up in his family. Uh, lived they lived in Burbank. Yes. Um, and so that he grew up in that area all the time, and so he always kind of had that lifestyle that he was completely disconnected. He felt always said he was kind of disconnected from the things that were happening yeah. during the civil rights era. The art, the culture, the things that he grew up around with. And segregation wasn't really a thing over in California. Right. His not, family's not the same way. Yeah, his right. family was originally from Mississippi, and so he had mentioned when he went back, he had no idea how segregated and how strict everything was, saying right. this is for white people and then this is for colored people. Right. And so when he applied for Disney, he didn't think anything about it. He was just like, eh, I want to work for Disney. Right. I'm an and animator. it doesn't, it didn't make sense or even matter to him that Disney had never hired anybody other than white men, men before. before. Right. Right. So it was, it was, so looking back on it, it seems like this big thing, but at the time he's like, whatever, like this is me getting a job. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, and he had talked about, you know, and he's, always been a defendant of Walt Disney the man. He's always defended yes. him and the allegations that have come about him over mm-hmm. you know, over time. And he was like, you know, and they, people have asked him, do you think Walt Disney was was hiring purposefully, that that was a purposeful reason that mm-hmm. there have been no, no black people that had worked there before? And he was like, no, he just looked for raw talent. Yeah, Disney so, looked you know, for talent. So he's like, I had, I got the training, I had the, the passion, I came in, and they hired me. So it was kind of interesting to see it in a, in a light of, he's like, this isn't about, it wasn't really about race at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, everything has a racial undertone in this country. That's a that's a thing that happens. Yes. But it, it was interesting to see that it was like, he's like, I was a talented candidate, they hired me. 
So it kind of is, is that, is that progressive? I don't know. For 1950, maybe, maybe 56, mm-hmm. whatever it was, maybe it is. Yeah. But uh, it was, it was very interesting. So he started his entire animating career then right there at Disney with, with the nine old men. Yep. He told stories in the documentary, and we're going to reference that a lot just because it's the best right. place that we found for the information, but right. how one was such a stickler about, like, if you were playing chess with him and he lost, you would see the body being kicked out of the office right, right. and stuff being thrown at him. And, or, you know, another one of the nine old men, he'd bring a sketch art or a sketch to, and the, um, the nine old man, the illustrator would grab it and then throw another blank over top of it and just tweak it a little bit and show him and instruct him and how to make it better. And that is amazing education to be getting right then and there. Absolutely. And the first movie that he really contributed in was Sleeping Beauty. They had him as a, what did they call it? An in-betweener? In-betweener. Yeah. Uh, And to me, I, my experience with film, um, is I work mostly in post-production for live films, so everything that I do is more involved with what happens after like being filmed with a camera instead of animation. That was like a different department. We crossed mm-hmm. paths a little bit, but it wasn't quite the same. But what what happened was, is in my world, it's called, they call it keyframing. Okay. So I, now the computer does a lot of the job that the in-betweeners do sometimes. Okay. So for me, not necessarily with, with true animation and the way that they're talking about, but if I'm animating something that's like moving and bouncing across the screen... I, I drop in the keyframes so where I'm like, and by this frame, I want it to be here. Mm-hmm. And that's your keyframe. And then the computer will extrapolate in between where where the object has to go to make it there in that time. But Floyd was the one who actually, actually had to was do given that. this yes. image and then this, this image, image and had to make the sequence mm-hmm. to connect the two. I mean, if you think about it, like... Yeah, two images. You have to literally make the motion happen because you. It, it's it's extraordinarily tricky. I mean, that's a huge job to do. I mean, you have to basically. Do, you are the one that's making it come alive. You're really. you're the actual yeah animator. Yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. You you're given a guideline, but then you're the one that actually sets the motion into action. And so they did that, and he said in that movie he primarily worked with the three good fairies, so Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether. And even in the documentary, you saw him sketching little Meriwether's face, which is really, really cute. Um, Another one that he worked on was Mary Poppins, and he worked with the Sherman Brothers. He he was telling a story about him and Richard Sherman, and... Then Disney came in and was like, I want to make these butlers penguins. And everyone's like, what are you talking about, Walt? <laughs> and, like, yeah. and so he helped with that whole animation sequence, which we know as the chalk art se- section of Mary Poppins. Yep. Um, another movie that he worked in was 101 Dalmatians. And he did a ton of stuff there. Uh, we found out that he was even just a few years ago, um, asked to go back and complete the cartoon that the Dalmatians are watching <laughs> yeah. um, of the canine, you know, when they're watching the television. And so he made a full cartoon off of that. that like, apparently there were some original storyboard stills that were still in place. And so they're like, hey, we want to do a Blu-ray a version of this of this movie. Do you want to come in and do the and, extended and do, little edition. And do the story for it? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So they, he came in and, and did that at, you know, age eight, you know, 79 or 80 or whatever he was at the time. 
So it's it's uh, it, it's very cool to see, and that's didn't he say it was like going back to the sixties? Yes, <laughs> he's like, he's like this is right back like being in the sixties because that's how they that's how they animated the whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously they had computer assistance, but it was they hand animated basically that whole segment. So. And he didn't just do animation either, or the in betweens. He also um, eventually moved to storyboarding. Yes, and so one thing that I learned was Disney does not write out the. Um, plot first and then go into storyboarding. No, the ideas of the movie come to mm-hmm. storyboarding yep. and then they are either kept or kicked out yep. and the movie changes off of the pictures and not off of what the right. actual script is and the script comes after. Right. I had no idea that yeah. that's how it was done. Yeah, it's, it's Or at least with Disney. Yeah, it's very interesting that the kind of the... In, and I know that Pixar does it very similarly where they do a lot of the work in the room while they're storyboarding it. It's like mm-hmm. this very, very on-the-fly kind of style of, of of making a story, which is just crazy to for me to think about, like, that kind of, like, that kind of level of just ad hoc kind of work. But it, it kind of makes, it makes it interesting because you get a lot of people working on the story at once, mm-hmm. which is kind of neat. And then he tells a story about how he was doing the storyboards for The Jungle Book, and he was working on Cod Mowgli's character and the interaction that they have. And he's he said he was in the room with Walt and was, like, trying to stay out of his field of vision yeah. whenever... Because yeah. Walt's... He didn't want to disappoint Walt. Nobody wants to disappoint, disappoint Walt. Walt. Right. And so he kept, like, jumping and trying to stay out of his field of vision while right. Walt was going through the storyboard saying, right. yes, this, no, this. And then at one point in time, he was like, we need a Sherman Brothers song so, for right, this. Right, right. And so that little sketch that he did of Ka and Mowgli actually became the full sequence as we know it and became a more important part of that film, right. which is amazing. Um, and then when Walt died he decided that it was time to leave the Walt Disney Studios and try something different. Mm -hmm. He and Leo... I don't remember his last last name. name. Hold, please. This is important. Yes, it is. Oh, now we get a lot more stuff on Floyd Norman. Funny. I just should have looked up his actual company. So, um, Leo and... Floyd left Disney and started their own company called Vignette Films, Inc. And it focused primarily on black history, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. They were also commercial. So they did work for other people, too. But the work that they did in-house was for was for black history. A lot of it, black historical um, important things that they would that they would cover. Um, Leo Sullivan. Leo Sullivan. That sounds that sounds right. Yeah. Yep, Leo Sullivan. Leo Sullivan. There we go. Okay, yeah. So those two, and they had there were two other guys involved too, but those two were kind of the main. And they were the like two. permanent partners in crime as yeah. well. They yeah. worked with Disney together. They left Disney together. Some of them, like they, t- they told a story about how Leo got a job at one business and then would right. sneak um, Floyd, Floyd in, in. Yeah. <laughs> to be able to work essentially for free, but they um, were just so happy yeah. to be, just be working yeah. together. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's, uh, it was very interesting. So they did all that. They worked on, they went to Alabama mm-hmm. with the, with the 16 millimeter Bolex. They bought off Roy E. Disney <laughs> and Roy's camera went yep. and recorded, recorded the riots. The riots. Yep. So that, that was a thing that happened, which is, which is amazing. And they, they covered all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that footage ended up going on NBC, CBS, I mean, all millions the, of all people those saw it. Yeah. So that was very interesting. I mean, that was from an animator. Like he was like, let's try this too. And he got himself there and it, and it was successful. 
Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. And then they decided they were going to go to... No, they went back to Disney for a little bit. And then Disney fired them again. Yep. And then they went to Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, they were They were both at Har- Were they both at Hanna-Barbera? Um... I don't know that Leo was. I don't know if Leo was, but I know that Hanna-Barbera was a big point for Floyd as well, yep. because he went from making such huge motion picture films right. to, you know, the everyday sketches, and it doesn't yeah. matter how yeah. refined this is. He yeah. says he he hates Scooby-Doo now, yeah. because he's drawn yeah. so many he hates, He's like, I hate that dog. And it's, because, <laughs> you know, he had to animate him all that, all that time, and, and the... It sounded like that those guys at, at Hanna-Barbera were just like, it was just like, let's get it done, let's get it done, let's get it done. And he made and a comparison kind of to Hanna-Barbera, the studio, being like the early days of Walt at Hyperion, where it was, you know, a fun and engaging atmosphere where everybody was working off of everybody. And during that time, he became a writer for different cartoons too so yeah. add another yeah. job to his list of accomplishments that he's done but he right. was writing episodes at first he wasn't sure he said and then he saw who wrote this episode he's like oh i can write better than that <laughs> <laughs> and so he just did yeah and um he was there he said for what about 10 years yeah something like something that like that and then ended up going back might to disney been, again six but i can't remember for sure and then went back to Disney again. Yep. yep. Um, and then was offered a position at this little non-known company. Yeah. Um, working on a tiny little movie called Toy Story. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he, he had been offered a job at Pixar, like, right when they were working on development. And he had just signed a contract with Disney, so he didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, the, but by the time that the second Toy Story film had rolled in... They, he jumped. He was, they, they asked him again. He was gung he, he was all he in was at that He was ready point. for it. Um, so he worked on Toy Story 2. He worked on Monsters, Inc. through Pixar as well. And then he went back to Disney. And he, he told the story about how he'd be working in one department and then he'd be laid off, but then another department would grab him real quick. So it was basically just jumping from one building to another building within the Disney world and the mm-hmm. Disney complex. Yeah. Um, up until the age of 65. And then at 65, he was basically forced into retirement and nobody knows why there were Disney animators that had been older that were able to keep working. Um, There was the under sense that it might've been because he was still only an animator and hadn't moved Moved up to to producer producer or director. director. And so he wasn't as big of a contributor as some others, but Basically, what happened was when he was kicked out at 65, um, he found ways to sneak back onto the property and stayed. Um, One of the websites that I did some research on said that, yeah, when they took away his office, he basically came back the, you know, a couple weeks later and found a vacant one and kind of just squatted there. Yeah. And they even showed on the documentary that the name badge at the door for where his office is... Um, actually has another person's name. Yeah. It says Ron Husband. Yeah. Um, but instead of Ron, he taped over a piece of paper with his wife's name on yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so Adrian's, Adrian's husband was written up there because she works at Disney Publishing, and mm-hmm. so he just would ride to work with her or drive her to work or whatever, and then he would just stay. 
and um and then they then he would just kind of wander around in the property and, and they, and call they it, nicked it, <laughs> nicknamed it floitering. floitering and and everyone that but everyone talks about him now you know that still works there they're like oh yeah we love it when he comes in and just like hangs out or whatever he's just he's just that guy he's very much like has that disney kind of spirit where he's just all over the place and yeah. everyone knows him and to have that connection back to the originators of disney as well that little touchstone yeah. because the people who are animating now and the people who are working right now for disney don't have that connection back to the, the, yeah, the nine old men nine old men or yeah. disney himself or the originating feeling of the company right they're just trying to move forward with what disney as they know but through floyd they're able to get that sense and i know at one point in time floyd's like you know the old men that you look to and respect somehow i I eventually became the old fart he's like one day i realized i was an old fart it's it's it's, (laughs) i kind of get it though like he doesn't the guy is like you know in the video he was like 79 he seemed like he was maybe 65 like he just yeah he did not act like he was very old or he doesn't even have an energy that seemed like he was very old he he has a very youthful spirit to him and i feel like it's probably due to him still being active being up to date and constantly keeping that childish energy to him as right. far as creativity and imagination right. and right. all of that goes. I mean, he was a guy that started off in the 50s doing, you know, classic animation, doing doing that very, very manual work, and then jumped over to Pixar and had no problem jumping into a brand new cutting-edge 3D workflow. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't care. Like, he can... And, and so when he came back to work on stuff, they're like, hey, you want to work on blah, blah, blah? Do you do digital? Yeah. He has no problem. He'll jump in and work on whatever platform you throw at him. They said uh, he's one of the few people where if they say, do you want to do this technology? He's not hesitant at all versus people who are younger than him being like, no, I don't do that. I don't touch that. Yeah. He had no problem with it. He would just go for it. Yeah. And that is a huge thing to commend about keeping up and keeping youthful. So it's just, he's, he's such a great guy. And even... To this day, they were showing pictures of him just doing these one-off sketches of characters that he was known for, and he'd, like, paint them and then would give them away as presents or one-off commissions and that sort of thing. And that would be an amazing little trinket to have. Oh, it's absolutely... It would be worth so much. He just... And, 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 you know, so he had been fired and it really, it really got to him, you know, the last time he was 65. He was just... He couldn't believe it because he didn't feel like he was done yet. And uh, so when, when, you know, he got a couple of things he started to work on after that, where they would keep coming in to kind of do a consulting sort of thing over and over again, and finally they just rehired him. Yeah! He just went from being a retiree, where he had his retiree badge, and he went back to being an actual employee of the the Walt Disney Company again, because he wasn't done. There was more he had to do, and his wife told him that. She's like, you're not done yet. I'm telling you, you're not done yet. (laughs) And so he, uh, yeah, he gets to go back and do what he what he loves, and all the other f- filmmakers and directors and animators they talked to were all like, yeah, we wouldn't just retire. Like, that's not something yeah. that we would do. We're going to go until we can't go. But it's not just like your nine to five job. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a passion. So yeah. it was it was it was uh it was a really nice. The whole feeling of it was really nice to see that he came back and is being recognized in a way where he's he's been a Disney legend. He's been brought back in. They're they're bringing him back to do work. He's an employee. Like he really, his legacy is is going to be recognized by Disney in the end. And you'll still even find him even to this day at Comic Con. Yes, 
doing yeah. events and meet and greets there and signing autographs. They showed a little clip of them doing this. Uh, basically, it's an improv sketch game. Yeah. And that looked really cool. That looked watch. super fun. Yeah. And I would love to be able to see that. Yeah. But he's still around. He's still doing things and being a, what do they call him? A cranky old man? No, it was because they said he was an animator. He was a story writer and he was, a, I don't know. I don't remember either. It was, it was something sassy. Like yeah, that. very sassy. He seems like he is very sassy. <laughs> when he got mad, he made like really like nasty uh, cartoons of like the Disney executives. Like, but they let him back anyway. But I mean, it was all very clever. Well, and, and that's how Disney actually found out about him, him, they said. Right. So going back when he was getting frustrated just being the in-betweener, the assistant in-betweener. Yes. He yes. was an assistant to in, the in-betweener. Yeah. Um, he, it was, he said it was normal that the artists would sketch up um, situations about each other and would post them. And he didn't do that to get recognition, but Disney was such a hands-on person right. that he would be walking the halls and he noticed them. And that's what really caught his eye and um, brought Floyd in to be able to do the yeah. three good fairies in the movie yeah. and yeah. kind of propelled him from there. So yeah, really, really, really an amazing, an amazing person in, just the history of Disney in general, not not just, like, black history. Like, he's definitely a person that needs to be recognized in his contributions to what he's done for the, the film industry, for the, you know, the Walt Disney Company especially. I mean, mm-hmm. he's had a, he's had a you know, a, a career that's, that's had his hands in Disney work sent from 1956 to, like, you know, today. They it's said amazing. it was the easiest decision to do a dig- Disney legend. Yeah, they were like this was the easiest one to decide <laughs> when they um, yeah. proposed to have Floyd on there, and yeah. so yeah, that's great that he's finally being recognized and still being appreciated. And this is our little appreciation for him as well, because like we said originally, there's not a lot on him, and for the amount that he's contributed to just the world of entertainment in general, there should be more appreciation and so this is our little you know tip of the hat saying you know we appreciate and we see you and thank you so much for all the hard work that you've done and we're here to support you for all of it yeah absolutely yeah it was very cool it it was a fun documentary so if you get a chance to watch it i don't remember the name of it now uh, Floyd Norman. Floyd Norman, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. An animated life An animated or something life, like yeah. that. Yeah, so something on um, on uh, on Netflix and uh, and iTunes and uh, Blu-ray from, from the yeah. web. So all all available. Really, really a fun watch. Uh, great, great character. Great, great person. Great, mm-hmm. uh, great history. So, yeah, absolutely. And on that note, thank you so much for listening and watching. My name's Crystal. And I'm Ian. And this has been WD Carousel of Podcast. We hope you have a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Beautiful tomorrow, just a dream away.